Commanders and welcome to episode 320 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universal elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your hopefully very temporary host, Ben Moss Woodward, otherwise known as Commander Adler Vice, and joining me until Colin returns from the reboot of Doom, we have, first of all, let's start with Commander Shan. How are you doing, buddy? Hello, I'm doing very well. Are we doing the what have you been up to all week section? Are not, we just, not yet. Uh, We're doing hello first. So. <laughs> well, hello, hello everyone. He's ballsed up already. <laughs> oh, I mean, uh, yeah. We have to make it difficult. For, we have to make it easy for Ben because then it makes Colin look That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. Suv, you know I like it hard. <laughs> also joining us, we have Suv. What up? Uh, Colin will hopefully be rejoining us once he's come back from rebooting, but we have a very special guest who volunteered to be with us. We are apparently his second choice in the prize category from the Reddit competition that was recently held, and welcome Commander Jathar Berel, otherwise known as Paul, and he's asked us to call him Paul throughout the rest of the night. Hey up. Hey up. Yeah, because apparently if we call him Jathar, he gets a bit... I'm so... thinking laughing where his carpet is. Where... His carpet is? <laughs> I get it. I, I, I don't. I, I, uh, do I, do I want to get it? I enjoy that we were um, very firmly his second choice of prize. <laughs> I was very nearly his opener. Hi, guys, I'd rather have had the free copy of Odyssey, but you'll do. <laughs> totally fair enough. It's just uh, the booby prize, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah exactly. Given the abuse we've already given the poor. That's true, yeah. We did not get a spoon of prizes. <laughs> so, ah, but not if you're in Turkey. <laughs> no, or Lebanon, that's true. That, that's the, so, Paul, before, before you start being churlish about how lucky you are this evening, think of all those poor Turkish and Lebanese listeners who are <laughs> literally screaming at their radios right now. In jealousy, in, in untrammeled in jealousy. New Zealand as well. Yes, in exactly. In New yeah. Zealand as well, <laughs> where, they're, where, they're, where they're, they're, they're so desperate to hear anything else but uh, Jacinta, they listen to us. Yeah, exactly. Well, Chad, that, how's your week been? Oh, it's actually been it's been really good. Actually, um, it's been it's been a national Shan Fitness Week, really, or Shan Family Ooh. Fitness Week, um, as many of you will have forgotten. Um, I was doing this uh, fitness thing and, uh, you know, the the boot camp. And it turns out I uh, put on three and a half kilos of muscle and lost 2% um, in my body fat. So does this mean we can now carve you up for steak? I mean, you are making Um, yourself sound delicious, I'll be honest. He is. But but, um, eldest eldest mini Shan and Mrs. Shan took the record they did the four by four by 48 challenge at the weekend right is that a diy thing <laughs> no it's it's pretty extreme actually the four by 48 challenge is you run four miles 
every four hours for 48 hours oh my god why would you why would you do that oh my god the things people do in the name of fitness that is insane that's utter lunacy and this is coming so from that's somebody eating that you in actually the night as well. Yeah, I run, I, I run 5K a day, and I don't get up in the middle of the night to do it. Like, that, that's just uh, – why, why do people do that? And, and how, are they, how are they after 48 hours of sleep deprivation? They're feeling great, actually. Um, what, in comparison to missing. during the 48 hours when they're actually doing it? No, no, it was – no, it was it – was, it went really well. I was uh, – I had a very important job of making sure the dogs were happy and fed mm. and let out and stuff. But, yeah, they – well, they started at four o'clock Thursday afternoon and finished four o'clock ish Saturday afternoon. So every four hours they did four miles. But you see, you don't, you don't. The four hours doesn't start when you finish the four miles. So the slower you do the four miles, the less rest you get. Oh my yeah. God! Jesus Christ! Sue, what have you been up to this past week? Uh, okay, well, <clears throat> after our show last week, I. Um, uh, I crowdfunded a new startup, uh, which I called Grobble, um, which is a, um, a, 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 a tech startup um, in which we, uh, I basically sell custom emojis that I've drawn on bar mats um, in return for people's data. Um, and, then I, um, and then I sell their data to nefarious actors on the internet. Um, and uh, and we had our IPO on uh, on Wednesday evening, um, and it went really well. And um, SoftBank have taken a thirty percent share, which is good. Um, and um, and I've I've drawn loads of custom emojis on bar mats, so I'm going to need to buy some more bar mats soon. Yeah, uh, it's cramping up yet. Oh God, yeah, it's been. I, I've actually I've actually outsourced the drawing itself. That the, the I, you know I'm more of like a helicopter manager type position, so I, I, I like to be able to keep an oversight of, of the whole. You know, all the, the whole process, as it were, um, and uh, and free myself up to be able to go and testify to Congress about uh, about the role of um, big tech in society and that sort of thing. So I've actually outsourced the drawing of the of the emojis to um, uh, to Thai sweatshops, which is going really well. Um, and then uh, and then at the weekend, um, <clears throat> I actually had a call from the future, which was a bit unusual, um, and um, uh, and and then I was asked to go and find a woman who was going to be um apparently she was going to be assassinated by a uh by a, a t800 from the future so i spent um so i spent most of the weekend and uh, and much of yesterday um running around uh photogenic uh, american cities protecting her from uh from gun violence basically at the hands of of um, bipedal robots um which is quite stressful and actually quite tiring um, so, uh, so today has been quite tired. Um, I've been quite tired. Uh, so I've just been taking it easy. Uh, and that's me. So, so when's your date with Etienne Dawn? <laughs> <laughs> We're back to this, are we? <laughs> Welcome we never... back, Colin. Colin, hooray! Yeah. Colin, you're I a really help. Think so. I do think, Sue, so, since you claim to be a runner, you should try the 4x4x48. Four by four by no, I don't. I don't. I, I don't want to do that. I don't understand why you would do something that that is so utterly miserable. Do you know what I did today? I th- this is not bullshit either. I uh, I looked at the weather and uh, and, it, and it said yeah. it was two degrees and fog, and I was like, I've run through two degree fog, and it's flipping miserable. I don't think I'll do that today. I just won't. So I didn't. I, I think I'm running today. That sounds very sensible. 
Uh, precisely, absolutely. Um, and it's going to be sort of six or seven for the rest of the week, which is much more palatable for running. So I'll. Um... Well, this wasn't this wasn't running through the fog. It was running through muddy fields and freezing. Oh, that sounds you're, you're, you're not improving it, Chan. Yeah, I, I mean, they could have they, they could have just like taken a cheese grater to their kneecaps and stayed at home in the dry. Yeah, but it's harder. It's harder. It's it's harder to run on the road. What rather than no, muddy fields. I, I, it's harder on your legs. Apparently, yeah. That's what they said. No, I agree because with that. You've got all the impact, really. There's yeah, a lot less impact damage by running on uh, off-road. Uh, okay, so in, in terms of aggregate damage over the course of years, then, yeah, you're probably more likely to get shin splints if you run on tarmac. But in terms of in terms of the minute-to-minute hassle of running, running over a muddy field or a ploughed field or something is mm-hmm. a massive ball ache. Well, it wasn't especially cheap either because they had to buy... They had to pay to do it. No, they had to buy five sets of trainers each. They went through um, five sets of trainers why? each because they got so muddy and so wet, and so doing it, they had to have a clear, clean set of trainers and then wash the ones that. Oh, Is there anything else that they did to make their to make their week less pleasant? Uh, I got it. Uh, went to weather. Well, not again, Colin. Colin. Yeah, anyway, sorry. enough about Shan running through. Fi- sorry, Shan's family <laughs> running through fields. Colin, welcome back. How the devil have you been, sir? Uh, well, um, well, game wise, I've just been playing power play. Uh, I've just been maintaining the the status quo, keeping Arissa um, in the, her number one position as she should be. Um, so uh, <laughs> that's what I've been doing. That does sound vaguely smutty, Colin. Me vaguely smutty. No, no, keeping Arissa in her position. Uh, of course, you yes. would think that. Oh. <sighs> I'll try and very, I'll very quickly run over my stuff. Uh, I've, I've managed to replace my break, broken joystick, and I now have a, have a Gladiator Next, which so far feels very rugged, um, and that, in a good way. Uh, I was saying I noticed earlier I was gripping my stick in my hands. A lot more firm than I did with my my previous joystick. That could just due, be due to a lack of familiarity or not. I'm not sure, but so far I'm getting used to it. It feels good though. Um, you, you're, you're supposed to hold your joystick between thumb and forefinger to give it light twists. I'm kind of gripping it between you know the way it's shaped. My thumb, it basically the the stick slides between my thumb and finger very naturally, actually. But anyway, <laughs> that's good. That is good. Yeah, yeah. So ben, did you have a bed accident as well? I, I, I did have a bit of a. I did have a, an accident in my bed. Yes, uh, I went off and early, this afternoon I basically went off and threw my water bottle onto my bed. And about an hour before the show, I turned around and looked at my bed and saw that my water bottle had managed to leak a liter of water, about a liter of water all over my bed. So now my bed is basically looks like it's wet itself. So you are a bed wetter. Well, shouldn't grip your stick so hard, should you, Ben? <laughs> well, these are problems that you get. Um, I've also done a whole lot of Christmas shopping for wife. Uh, all you know, Amazon really doing a bumper year this year, I suspect. Um, <laughs> Twitch drop. <laughs> Good oh, luck, well. happy swog. Yeah, nice try. Um, <laughs> lot, I've had lots of other exciting things happening, but I'll just leave that be. Oh, in, in game, I've been. Uh, I've been doing the CG for finding all the exploration data and looking for ammonia worlds. And I've been playing Star Citizen, 
where I've actually I've had a very positive customer experience with Star Citizen. Um, Get out! I know it really it really did surprise me. Actually, I, I well, you always enjoy Star Citizen. You say it like it's a surprise, but you and I have played Star Citizen. Yeah, you've enjoyed it. No, um, but I've had a good customer experience with them as well. And I don't like CID as a company. I don't like their. I don't like the pay-to-win aspects that the game wants. But my customer support experience was very pleasant. Um, basically, my they've put on uh, two-factor authentication without telling anybody, and it oh. turns out that the email address I I signed up to Star Citizen with was one that I used back in 2012, and isn't the one I use and even have access to anymore. Did you uh, tell them you were seven again? I, I did. <laughs> so I went off and I sent them, an, sent them an email or sent them a customer support ticket saying, hi guys, this is me, this is all my credentials, and you basically was like, yeah, hi Ben, we, we know it's you, um, please confirm which email address you want us to associate with your account, and we shall do so, and less than 24 hours later, I was back in my account and everything works great, so... Right. I was I was preparing for the worst because I just had no idea of any of my actual. Yeah, you know, I had no access to any of the stuff to get it, but they were they were great and it was awesome. Um, I've also played some Star Wars Squadrons. Yeah, you did very well at Star Wars Squadrons last night. Oh, we won a couple of games, so I thought that was that was quite good. I thought, Colin. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? What else? What else? What else? I think. Oh, that'll do for that'll do for now. I'll probably. Other things later. Can we do a? Um, can we do five minutes on your new joystick? Um, I I don't want to get too far into I don't want to get too far into euphemism land, but I yeah. like yeah. joysticks. Am interested in the the VKB kit. Never tried it myself, and would yep. like to hear what it's like. Okay, so it's the VKB Gladiator Next, which is the, basically their cheapest stick. Uh, comes in at about. I think it was about 170, including shipping or something like that. Mm. Uh, I did get it in the Black Friday sale. Um, it's it feels like it's got a much better build quality compared to the T sixteen thousand. I mean, T sixteen thousand or hundred or whatever is um, is less than hundred yeah. quid, isn't it? It's the joystick alone is about 60, 70 quid. Apart from since after. Um, Microsoft Flight Sim came out when you could go and see them being scouted out for 200 quid. Right, okay. Yeah, that's just people being twats, basically. Is the VKB um, one just a stick, or is it one of those with a bit of joystick on the base? So, no, no, so it's, it's, it's one of those that they, they're tra- traditionally they do, here's the base, here's the stick, like a bit like Verbal do. Yeah. Uh, and they have a much more expensive joystick that's 500 quid that is still like that this is here's the joystick here's the base and they are two separate entities but they go together in one package as it were um i think atrus 5060 has the same ish stick as me uh he's got the the previous model um and oh yeah it looks it looks very similar i think he called it the cosmo cosmina or something like that atrus will know the name of it so the stick itself, very good quality, very good mechanical switches on on everything basically. Um, it's got a two phase trigger button, I guess you could say. So you know, uh, what you pull it in once is trigger, and then you keep pulling, and it's another action. Uh, on the back of it again, you've got like a, a forward and backwards secondary trigger, I guess you could say. Mm. Um, 
I've got a, a pinky button. I've got a thumb thumb button. Three hat switches on the top. One hat switch on my thumb. Hmm. Um, three buttons. Are the hat switches are the hat switches eight way or four way? And do they have a push? They all have a push. One, I think they're four way, but they might be eight. Because I find uh, the ver- the Verpil ones are eight way with push, and I've got them all. I've got them all set in the software to be four way. Um, yeah. And I find that you have to be uh, a little bit careful to not accidentally push when you mean to tap one of the directions. And I, I, I kind of feel like the. Go on, sorry. Yeah, no, these these definitely feel four way. I'm just tr- I'm just trying my pit management just now, and they yeah. If I go diagonally, yeah, only one input is going in. So certainly the middle one is definitely four way. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, There's so an old not, saying that says a pitch is worth a thousand words. Not clean, Shan. It's got a throttle on it and two rotary dials as well. Um, it, yeah, generally, I'm so far it's been, it's only been a day, and it feels very good so far. Excellent. Um, good stuff. I, I may or may not. Oh, one, the one thing that did surprise me about it is it's got the you know that old printer cable, you, the old USB A printer cable that you used for only printers was the only thing I've ever seen it with. Before my time, I think. So, well, if you buy a printer that isn't a wireless printer, you've got like the USB A to USB B, and the USB one of them, the USB A looks like every USB switch going, but the USB B is like a square thing. You know, it's mm. a big square, square port. Oh, it's I think that, I know what you mean, yeah. It's got that on the back of it, pretending it's a printer, basically. Mm. Uh, not that it needs USB 3 for anything like that, but still. Interesting. Right. right. Have, we, we've done, Colin, haven't we? Colin? We need I, to introduce our guest. Yeah, exactly. We, we have I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm going to... Right, so we've done, Colin. So now we can go in and let leave the rest of the show to our guest, basically. So, Paul, otherwise known as Jathar... What the hell did you do to deserve getting here? We just well, uh, I uh, put some numbers in a in a Reddit thread, <laughs> and look somehow through sheer dumb luck, I was picked as a winner. Hey, it was the shit. It, it was the sheerest of dumb thing. It, like because it was what what uh, at this point in the CG, what will be the total um, <laughs> number of things handed in, and it was two. Two combat um, CGs and two um, trade ones, and it was just sort of ridiculous. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just mash the keyboard. Does that <laughs> look right? So you wasted your lucky numbers for life on a live radio contest rather than the Euro Millions lottery. Oh, we were his second choice. He was trying to get an Odyssey. Get, uh, Odyssey. I mean, yeah. third, third choice. choice would be the second choice. <laughs> Third prize was running four miles every four hours, 48 hours, so... I, I have three words when it comes to running. Only when chased. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cardio. Um, Real two, cardio. So, right, so, Paul, you want to tell us a wee bit about your first start playing, first experience with the Leap, things like that? Right. Uh, first sexual about... experience. Oh, please. <laughs> Just because Ben is actually <laughs> trying to host, um, doesn't mean you have to take his place. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, go on. Hold All right, on. Let's, let's inject some professionalism into this uh, operation. Um, yes, please, uh, so, please, please, Paul. <laughs> um, so I've been playing for about well, for five years. Um, one of my mates was a, a Kickstarter backer, and he said, oh, you've got to get this game. 
and he he did ask me, "Do you know? Have you heard of Elite?" And because he's a bit older than me, um, and I said, "Yeah, I have played Elite nineteen the nineteen eighty four version." Okay, yeah. Uh, I thought, "Oh, oh yeah, have you done it?" And yeah, okay, I'll, I'll get into it. So I, I started playing, and I was on and off for like two years, three years, and I, and uh, but I had bought Horizons when it came out, and then again put it around on and off to, and then. Um, I thought oh, I'll get back into it, and then I saw the announcement—the announcement for Distant Worlds Two. I thought, oh, that that sounds interesting. Actually, playing with people uh, rather than just tooling around the galaxy on my own. Um, and then it snowballed from there because I saw they needed—they wanted fuel rats. So I thought, oh, 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 I've been rescued by the fuel rats. I'll I'll have a look at that. I'll I'll go and join them. And so I've been a fuel rat for two years. Um, and yeah, I just can't put it down now. Nice. That's um that that's uh, it's really it's really cool to hear when community things get people into the game or back into the game at least. Yeah, because um, it, it, it was yeah because I played MMOs before and I played with in guilds and you know you know been playing with people and so that was what kept me in them um, until they you know start messing with things. Yeah, thank you, Star Wars Galaxy's new game enhancement. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> another victim. It's always nice to know another victim. <laughs> yep. So, I mean, talking about guilds and things like that, are you in any... any... Oh, sorry, I lost you there, Ben. Oh, are you in any squadrons or anything like that that you want to give a shout out? I, I'm in the Fuel Rat squadron. Okay, so you're, you're in Fuel Rats and you're an actor. <laughs> so, I, I, I almost want to run out of petrol today, I don't know why. Have you, have you hit your 100,000th rescue yet? I, I don't think we have, although I haven't been online for like for like the last week because yeah, <laughs> I've been doing <laughs> I've been doing the CG stuff. I didn't want to get get distracted. So um, yeah, I think we're, we are very, we are very very close. Mm. Um, the um, Epic Games Apocalypse helped. Um, that was a fun weekend. Yeah, I bet. So, do you want to tell us any any notable rescues that you've done as a rat? No, no notable ones. But you know, they're all as important as each other. <laughs> <laughs> Any absolute car crashes of rescues? Uh, there was the one where I uh, was attacked and died. <sighs> um, Humans. And then there was the one where we got to the commander before we had winged up, just through sheer dumb luck. We managed to get a low wake, um, and then I tried. And they were in a sidey, and I. When the shields came up, I tried to use regeneration sequence, forgetting that it only works when you're in a wing. So I melted the shields and half their hull. Ah. <laughs> that is... That wing... That wing Shan seal of approval, that does. I like that. Yeah, imagine. Imagine if you called out the fuel rats that came along and basically ganked you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> And from that day on, I started carrying uh, repair limpets. <laughs> yeah, I must admit that we have to we have to applaud you for that. <laughs> Never done it again. <laughs> I thought that it's those repair and um, those repair lasers. They only do work in wings. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I think I might have done something similar to someone. <laughs> Never mind. Oh dear. So let's, let's see. Um, we've had quite a lot of development stuff happening. Um, I think Arthur was not joking when he said things will begin to ramp up in December. So the development news for this week. 
Um, well, first of all, last Wednesday there was AMA two, where question uh, Boogaloo, <laughs> who comes up with this? So um, Arthur, Bruce, Stephen, and Paul all answered a whole load of questions uh, about just general goings on and the usual. Uh, why isn't the the pulse wave scanner working yet, and all that kind of stuff? Which again, they reiterated that they're they're still under investigation. That's really sorry, but we will get it sorted as soon as we can. So there's no fix coming soon, apparently. But um, Ben, you've got a couple of highlights from these, haven't you? I do indeed, sir. Mm-hmm. So, um, scroll down to bullshitting thing. Um, so yes, some highlights that I found, and there are other other highlights do exist. So yes. Give your, you know, give your cases, but uh, um, I did enjoy that uh, Bruce's turn as the voice as Doctor Doctor Murphy. Question: I enjoyed Bruce's turn as the voice of Doctor Murphy in the recent Halloween event. Can you share it if any of the uh, CM team did motion capture for the upcoming Odyssey emotes and dances? And if so, which were your favourites? And the answer to that was, due to the working from home situation, none of the CM has had the pleasure, unfortunately. Did Bruce do, did Bruce do Dr. Murphy in the, C, in the CG then? Oh, sorry, not the CG, the, um, in the... Halloween. Uh, the, oh, I did not. That's really cool. I didn't realise that. But do we know anything about emotes and dances in, in Odyssey? No, they haven't touched on it, but we, as ev- everybody who has played an MMO at one point knows that you've got lots of emotes and dances that, that although well, do you I mean, think we, we've all played Fortnite so you know Guild Wars has some great ones in that <laughs> they, they, they modelled the dances mm-hmm. on real life um, you mean just like they do in every other video game no 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 cause it's quite interesting because the, the <laughs> <laughs> they did a thing called motion capture no 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 don't just hit me out because they, they did it per profession in the first one so necromancers they mm-hmm. did the zombie dance from thriller the elementists who are portrayed the way they're looking at it an airhead and stuff they, it was the uh, shakira whatever <laughs> never done um, I must they, admit, that is the first time I've heard of class-related dances. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it. That's really good. Because uh, uh, yeah, all so the others have been in the generic one. Yeah. Um, what was the second one, Ben? Uh, second one were... I'm just sorry, I'm just monitoring Twitch there. Uh, second one was... How do you envision small ships, such as the Eagle, being em- employed in the sphere of combat in Odyssey? And the answer to that was... If a small ship lands on your head, it'll hurt you just as much as a big ship. Hmm. See, see, I got thinking about that. I got thinking about that, yes, because <laughs> true, it will, you know, an eagle will squish you just as much as a anaconda will. But it occurred to me that it's easier <laughs> to chase after a player on the ground in an eagle because they're faster, more maneuverable. However, it's easier to squish people in an anaconda because the landing gets bigger. So there must become like a min-max point where a ship is both manoeuvrable and easy well, to squish that, people. That would be probably one of the Lacon ships because they're very useful. <laughs> they're also very slow. The Crate Mark II would be a good, uh, a good person. Uh, I think the Crate would be a brilliant ship, actually. Yeah. Well, because well, the crate, you could presumably then, yeah, just uh, it landed upside down, like a 
frying pan trying to hit a wasp or something, mm. wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Brings a whole new dimension to the speed bowling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, line up your imperial slaves and see how many you can get and go. <laughs> it's like Skittles, but messier. <laughs> this whole... Squishles. This whole squishing, squishing, <laughs> squishing commanders or squishing NPCs, though, is probably one of my most... My favourite activities that I did uh, playing Elite Encounters, actually, way back when... Uh, when you know, basically, I was stuck inside of my cargo bay, inside of the the docking bay, and I wanted to get out of there. And rather than rather than landing, everybody running out and shooting people, I was basically forward, down, back, down, and I just kept like rolling and getting good rolls. And it was like squish, 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 squish. So yeah, that that was very that was a lot of fun in, in Elite Encounters. The ability to do that, and I'm looking forward to being able to do it in real life. Well, have they mentioned? You mean in Odyssey? Yeah. yeah. Have they mentioned <laughs> the possibility? A different thing to real life. True. Go on, yeah. Shan. Did they mention the possibility? Yeah, have they mentioned the possibility of scooping players up with an open cargo scoop in the ship? No, no. Oh, well, that's another thing we've also done in EDRPG this time. Um, I scooped up Atrus fifty sixty, I think it was, who jumped out of his or got exploded out of his docking bay into the into the middle ring area where it's essentially zero G. A bit like Babylon Five, actually, you know, where Sheridan comes out of the tram. And if you could jump, yeah. Instead of being Kosh, basically, I was I was the the commander Kosh, and I scooped him up. See, uh, that's another sport that maybe Alec Turner can try is if you can jump out of your ship while it's still in flight mm-hmm. and you can catch mm-hmm. a player in a cargo scoop, then it's almost like trying to jump up a high board and into the bucket of water. Isn't this a bit, isn't yeah. this a bit like the, the player recruitment of lacrosse? Yeah, it sounds a lot scoop like one lacrosse. off and you can then eject them and then the other person's got to catch them and then send them back and, the, and then the poor slave goes off yeah. into the distance. Yeah. And expires. Alec, I think you need to. Alec, point. I think you need to make rules for that. Alec, you need to invent rules for that. It does sound fun. <laughs> Not for the poor sod being the ball. We used to. Uh, well volunteered, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> In Colonia, we used to play. Um, uh, we used to uh, land small ships to make goalposts, and then get a guardian orb and divide up SRVs into two <laughs> teams and play football with SRVs. That sounds cool. It was really good. It was really fun. Um, it's got to be. Um, it's a little bit finicky because uh, the the collision is not perfect. Oh, uh, hold on, it's a little bit finicky because the collision's not absolutely perfect on um, uh, on the SRVs and the ball. The, the, the physics of the Guardian Orb aren't absolutely perfect for it. But you can do it, and um, and you have somebody flying overhead as like umpire, and uh, and if you're streaming it as umpire and, and cameraman, um, and um, and then they just call out any goals, and it, it works quite well. It's good. Right. Well, we'll move on from that, um, from an unofficial game mode to an official one. Uh, apparently, one of the questions asked was, has the team considered using the foundations of CQC but allowing players to use their own ships? Ideally, a commander would dock at a station, go to the CQC contact, arrange a competition using one of their own ships, and it could be done via telepresence uh, and keeping it in lower and lowering, lowering the cross of rebuys. You know, different classes of fights. And to be honest, um, I think this has been suggested before, 
But the answer they got was, it's a great idea. It's not one uh, I've heard about or considered, even though I'm sure we've said something like this before, but definitely one we want to discuss. And when we come to making large changes to CQC and PvP, we'll consider it. And but that's yeah. called PvP, isn't it? Yeah. I th- no, no, they they mean they mean drop in. I don't, I don't think it's easily. I don't think you, I don't think you can dismiss it just as oh that's just that's just PvP under a different name. What they're well, talking about is a consequence free drop in immediate arcade sparring mode using your own ships, which I think is a great idea. Well, players do that anyway because if it's consensual, they agree to the one who gets ten percent hull is the loser. Yeah, so yeah. it becomes it becomes that, and it's it's interesting. I said they hadn't seen it before because it was one of the first things that was suggested mm. when CQC was was released. So it, I mean, it'd be fun and all, and all that, but it would just be yeah. Well, yeah, everyone would just bring their own uh, frag for the lands to uh, to the, base, the the death match and see and see what it is. At least it'd be a pl- level playing field, but it wouldn't be much variety. It wouldn't be a level playing field, would it? Because if I turned up my Corvette and you were in your, I don't know, Side Pipe Nine, nine yeah, you'd it get, wouldn't you'd get ganked, Sham. No, the point I was making is that everybody knows the best PvP ship is the Frag for Delance. So everyone will turn up in that. The Frag Delance. Frag Delance, that's it. Um, <laughs> one of the ones that made me laugh, though, is sort of why do I need to turn the wing beacon on? The beacon options are currently off or wing. Nobody I've ever spoken to has ever been able to think of a reason why we'd want the wing beacon off. <laughs> that was mine. Hmm. Yes, was it? Yeah, no, I said that. <laughs> well, it says, make sense. Thanks for the suggestion. There you go. There you go. <laughs> My job is here as a fuel rat. We have to yeah. keep telling them to turn them on. Exactly. It just, it doesn't, it, it, like, I've, I've been thinking this for seven years. I don't understand why. The when you log in, you have to turn your wing beacon on. Why? Like when you go into the menu, it is obvious that they had that. Well, it is obvious to me. It, 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 I think it is implied that when it was in des, in the design phase, they had envisaged they had envisaged that there would be several tiers of beacons, so you could choose to have your beacon off or have it selected to friends only, or your power, or your squadron, or your wing. But they mm-hmm. actually only put they only ended up putting the wing one in, which nullifies the need to have it off. If there's only one beacon mode and it's wing, there isn't actually a use case for not having a wing beacon on. So actually, they shouldn't have. They should have taken out the option to have it off at all because there's no there's no use case for that now. Okay, Ben. So I believe you're basically you're right too. From what I remember from way back in early days, uh, back when the developers used to talk to us, the <laughs> beacon was. It, it was a a thing where, as you you could basically you could hide yourself. It's a the um, oh, it's a bit like a, a transponder in an airplane. You know, you you can broadcast. I'm here to the whole world. Yeah, uh, and you know, that's how most transponders work. Uh, and you provide flight data and all that kind of stuff. Uh, or yeah. you can obviously, as you say, you can broadcast it to your wing. Or uh, indeed, you can turn the whole thing off and you can be running in, in stealth mode. And people have to rely on their passive sensors to find you, shall we say? Mm-hmm. Uh, but as you say, you know, as it's turned out, it all kind of went went the way of the dodo, and uh, yeah, who knows now? Right. I suspect the wing beacon 
was a front end for helping the game instant to you with another player. Well, it does help. I mean, you've got a choice of either um, following down their uh, low wake to totally end up in their uh, in the same instance, or you've got the wing beacon, which is just yeah, so, as as you drop out, you're there. So effectively, wing beacon is another low wake you just lock mm-hmm. onto. Yeah. So. Um, I got a question answered, uh, which hey. was, yeah, were there any plans to implement a looking for wing function, similar to the multi-crew looking for crew? Because one of the things I found is ah, uh, there are times where I think I'd like to wing up. Is there anyone around here? And of course, I've got no way of doing that. Mm, yeah, it do, it does have yeah, it, yeah. it. I mean, it seems to be you know the looking for group function is prevalent. I think and across all MMOs. So I just think it's it's missing. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. Good it's really good. Idea. I've seen I've seen people that like in, in system chat in a CG go struggling to wing up with people. Going, oh, you know, you know, anyone want to wing? We'll get you know, get more money. And and they go, well, I can't find you. What you know? What what do we press? Yeah. You know, mm. What's a wing? Exactly. You know. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Right. Um, okay. I think we'll leave the uh, the AMA for the moment because there's a an awful lot more coming. Um, obviously, um, we got. The Thursday stream, where they mentioned the combat bonds and the anti Xeno rewards, and also the fact that there's a Christmas stream on the 17th, and there will be Twitch drops then. So anybody who's trying to get a Twitch drop right now, <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, Ben, did you want to talk about the beacon, or did you already? <laughs> I did it like literally about a minute ago. Oh dear, my short-term memory is... Is this COVID? It's doing a thing on my memory now. I'm getting worried. We, right. we have Colin Goldfish Defire. <laughs> Colin Goldfish Defire. No, thanks a bunch. Um, right, we also had a uh, nice little video uh, released, I think it was yesterday, called The Journey So Far. Um, now, this was a quick catch-up showing some of the highlights that the community have done uh, during the game and mentioning quite a few people that uh, we all know. Um, so what did people think of this little trailer? I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was really, really good. It was, it was so, it was really nice to see one. It was really nice to see all those commanders names. And it was really nice to, to I, I, I saw there's so many people I know. And I also, I don't think it was simply a, uh, I don't think it was like a um, a popularity contest or a or, or like a these are the pillars of the community thing because there were quite a lot of pretty random names in there. I think it was. I, I'm pretty sure it was a scrape of um, most uh, either most valuable forum posts or most frequent forum posters or something or maybe even most recent forum posters. Um, and um, this would uh, explain why Alec Turner got in there about five times. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he wasn't the only one. There were there were several people who I think it was on a loop. There were several people who featured uh, more than once. Um, but um, but I quite like the fact that um, uh, the, well, the other thing is that the, the events that they picked out and, and mentioned and the groups that they picked out were um, it was all in game stuff. It was all evidence of lots of players banding together to affect change collectively mm. in game. So you know, a lot of the a lot of the community stuff in Elite is, I mean, a lot of community created content is fantastic. I mean, we we do it, and, and obviously I'm with Sajai, and we do it there. But um, but but that's out of game, and it was really telling that the video focused on only 
what had been action, what had been done in the game. So there's the buckyballers, the hull seals, the the fuel rats, all these great initiatives by loads and loads of commanders banding together to do awesome things in the sandbox. Um, and it was very clear that that was the focus that they wanted for the video. Um, and I just thought, you know, having been there in for Colonia in 2016 and a few of the other things that were that were mentioned a few of the other community events it was so lovely to see these things that felt big and impactful at the time be name checked by frontier um especially seeing as over the years it doesn't always feel like frontier have have had a really uh good grasp on what the community are trying to do or what groups of players are trying to do but seeing all of that celebrated like that and it was very much like this is your game this is what you've done this is you know, it's it's not just we're not just celebrating what we've done. We want to celebrate what you've done, and I, ju- I just thought the whole thing was lovely, really, really lovely. Yeah, Com- um, Commander Orange Phoenix has just made a, an interesting point. Um, he says it's awesome seeing that Zer Ilxis or Exis footage was there as well as others. However, they didn't contact anyone regarding the use of this footage. Plus, Arthur said that this little trailer was made before his time, which I thought was interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I did actually speak to, um, I spoke to one of the people mentioned and, and he said that he recognised some of the footage and he knew who had taken it. Um, and it, would taken, it was taken quite a long time ago. So yeah, that is, that is quite interesting. Ben? Presu- I mean, presumably from Frontier's point of view, if the footage is taken in their game, they do own it. Like I, I would have thought that there's no, I'd have thought that any qu- quibbles over IP would be a little bit moot given that, um, given that it's all taken in Frontier's engine. It is a courtesy, though, isn't it? I, 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 rather than, yeah, no, that is true. Ben, did were you? What were you going to say? I was going to say basically what Suv got around to saying about it being, you know, I, you, you maybe it's maybe maybe it's polite to say, you know, this was taken by Suverine, but it's their damn game, therefore it's probably their contents. Yeah, um, mm. and it was nice. That, I mean, they did credit; they gave credit to people. Yeah. In the game, which is you know is also incredibly nice and probably not strictly needed either, even though it is very nice of them to do, and it looked really professionally done too. Which the whole thing shouldn't be that, surprising. Yeah, that's that. That's what really struck me. It, it it didn't. It wasn't necessary. That's what really. That's what I really liked. It wasn't necessary. They could have easily pumped out a load of trailers of how great it's going to be to shoot each other and how um and how how much work they've put into it and it was it was just really lovely to see what is now becoming a pretty big budget like top drawer mmo celebrating mm-hmm. people i know and my friends like that it, i don't know the whole, i just thought it was really really lovely and completely unnecessary thing for them to celebrate really no of course at the end of this trailer they said right um tune in to the game awards this thursday 10th of december to see our next steps in an exclusive Odyssey gameplay trailer. Now, this isn't this isn't Dev Diary three, is it? This is something else. Yeah, this is something else. Uh huh. Um, to which there's a lot of people speculating. Uh, does this mean we'll get pre-orders or a release date? I don't think it'll be a release date. Uh, I did audibly squee at that point when I I, I got, I've been going. Oh, you know, this celebrate the community. And they went oh, gameplay. <laughs> I'm not sure if it won't be something. I'm, I'm maybe wildly optimistic here, but if you think about it, we've got three weeks at the end of the year, and they yeah. say early 2021. So pre-order, I don't know, first of January gives them three months for the hype train to build up before launch. So it may well be something like that because the, the timing and the build-up would seem to fit in with that timescale. Mm. 
Yeah, yeah. It, do, it does seem to. Um, okay, well, we'll move on to um, the things which have been announced today. We've had um, another uh, announcement about uh, game balancing, um, and it should be in-game as of now. They apparently implemented it this afternoon, and it's taken... You know, it takes a while to, to work its way through the servers. But um, first off, they've um, changed the combat bonds. High-end NPC combat bonds will provide much more in the way of credits. You'll see an increase of around 80,000 credits to 400,000 credits per kill. This is similar to the updated bounties, uh, and the HUD will not reflect the new figure after a kill, but the transaction tab will. Which I, I think I find that quite weird that they can only update one. It is, isn't it? Unless it's I don't know what it is. Because presumably the mm. game knows how much money you earn because that's how it works it out. So what's the problem with displaying it? Yeah. Well, I don't know. It, it's 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 working. It's working. You know, it, we're getting the money anyway, so it's just a little bit of a question mark over that. Um, these may really appear to be issued by the Pilots Federation itself. So instead of the other side, it's like the Pilots Federation is topping you up. I get the anyway, impression that that's a that I get the impression that's a UI glitch rather than a rather than a feature though. Uh, that, that, that they display from the Pilots Federation. I don't know, something about the wording is they may appear like they come from the Pilots Federation. Something about that says to me that it's a UI quirk that will probably be uh, eliminated when it is fully embedded in rather than a feature. Um, we've got a, a comment from Kaizen. Uh, he says it's because the top right tab is what they use for the BGS and they don't want to uh, mess around with that until they lock in the price and adjust the BGS. Which kind of, that that kind of makes sense because basically um, that's one of the concerns a lot of people have had about all the raising of all these um, bounties was how it's going to affect the BGS. But if they're very able to separate that, then it's business as usual. Anyway, uh, next up, anti-Xeno combat. Now, we were all thinking, oh, they're going to double it. They didn't double it. They quadrupled it. Hey! <laughs> so, um, yeah, a, a Cyclops will get you 8 million instead of 2. This is fantastic. I think this is a really, really good change. Yeah, but you know what else they've done? There was a there, wasn't there? What is this about the scouts and things like that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a good job I managed to com- get my triple elite combat rating uh, by shooting scouts because you can't do that anymore. Or you can, but it'll take a lot longer. They've downgraded the scouts so that um, although you'll get more money for shooting them, you won't get as much uh, on your combat rate, uh, rating as you used to. Um, however, they've gone and offset this by saying that the interceptors are worth more. In fact, actually, uh, a straightforward interceptor is worth a lot more than your standard elite ship. And when you get up to the Medusa and the Hydras, then you are getting a massive uh, combat bonus for getting out, uh, getting one of those ships. So it will um, be interesting to see how much the percent goes up for each yeah. type of interceptor. And I do actually quite like what they've done in terms of making the the proper Thargoids worth more than the uh, than the um, yes. scouts and things. Because to be honest, scouts were a bit easy, really. They were you know, a bit of a yeah, push a pushover. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll totally agree with that. Um, apparently, we're getting reports that someone's just bagged a Medusa for 40 million. 
There's your multiplier, though. The um, the Cyclopses are 8 million. I don't know what the Basilisks are, probably 20. The Medusas are 40, and the Hydras are 60, I think. So um, so there we know what the percentages are. Personally, I think this is absolutely brilliant. I think 8, eight million for a Cyclops is... I, I, it, took me, it took me a couple of years to get to the point where I could solo a Cyclops. I now do it um and now now do it fairly routinely but it's still still a reasonable challenge and i don't always don't always manage it and you need specialist kit for it which takes a lot of grinding so i think that eight million for a kill is absolutely spot on are you elite in combat too no deadly okay so you could kill a cyclops and let us know what percentage yeah you go yeah could do yeah i can test that for you so go off and kill a hydra now go off and kill a hydra now (laughs) (laughs) I wonder how much killing a Souverine would improve the uh, combat rank of a Hydra. <laughs> but um, we thought they were just doing combat bonds on anti-Xeno, but they've put a third one in for this uh, adjustment. And that is a delivery missions. The increase in minimal, minable commodity prices has had an unexpected large effect on delivery missions due to compounding multiplier, multipliers. This allows large numbers of credits to be earned with minimal risk and effort. To refocus the earnings on the effort made, the rewards for these have been changed so that the distance travelled and the quality transported has a larger effect. Oh, sorry, the quantity, not the quality. Uh, the trans has, that has a larger effect on the pay. Payouts remain relatively high, but will be monitored for further adjustments. This is just a, a knock-on effect of a knock-on effect, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting quirk of of, uh, of complex systems, I suppose. Um, interesting. I, li- I like how responsive they're being. Um, it's very much, we'll see how things go and tweak accordingly. Yeah. Right. Um, well, of course, there was today's stream, where I think they, they basically covered everything that we've covered, and then they went off and, and did some capture the flag, which... Um, on on CQC, which I, I thought it's always good to see people do a CQC session. Um, it just reminds people that it's there, and it is quite a fun game thing to do. So, um, moving on from the development news, we have the in-game events. Now, obviously, three important things have happened this, this week. The current CG is an exploration CG. Um, is it looking for Ammonia Worlds, or is it just uh, exploration data in general? No, it is specifically looking for worlds. Um, basically, you, every world you scan, every everything you scan mm. has a has a value, shall we say? Uh, but we're not we're not talking about credit value. It's, you know, this is one ticket kind of thing. But Ammonia Worlds counts as three tickets. If that makes right. any sense whatsoever. Um, okay. Um, so, I, I don't know what you mean by a ticket, but we'll, we'll go with that. Well, they're, they're calling it tickets as well, and in, in there, when you you collect, it's like you've handed in ten tickets. You know, think of it like a you know, in like the arcade in the arcade things. It's you know, point. You go and beat. Yeah, you go and get something, and you got one point, but you do another task, and it gives you five points. Uh, right. Okay. Shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's. I like the fact they're varying. You know the activity for CGs, but for an exploration one, it sucks a bit if you are out in the black exploring and you can't actually turn it in because it would be, you know, for an, part of the exploration is you go out there and you explore. You don't just go to EDDB and look up an all ammonia world and work your way down the list. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
I don't know. I like the fact using exploration missions, but it's a little bit mean for explorers who are out there and who would love to have had a CG for the activity they enjoy. But we'd yeah. have to get back to the PC one. Yeah, you'd have to get back to the, the Coolsack Nebula in order to, to take part, even though you have put it in. Well, I don't really see a way around that unless they gave, oh. them, more, um, unless they gave them more notice. Sorry, yeah. I interrupted Ben. Yeah, Ben, <laughs> your turn. Oh, I'm just thinking, if you don't do the way that Frontier have done it, though, then you get all these people coming back from Beagle Point and so on, and they go straight in at top ten, top ten commanders. Yeah, but you're limiting it to ammonia worlds, aren't you? So most people out exploring, someone sometimes I do ammonia worlds, but usually mm. the, the one they go after are earthlights. Yes. Yeah. Uh, d- does when you hand in when you're handing when you're handing in your exploration data, I wonder if that says this is an earth-like world, this is ammonia and oxygen, this is ammonia <laughs> only, and so on. I know the game has that information. But how easily accessible is it? I don't know. Well, no, well once, you, you, once you put it in, you 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 lose that data. You, you unless you've yeah. you've had it tagged, you you know the first tag. Yeah. You don't know where you've been unless you've got one of those log the e was it one of the loggers which will tell you where you've been. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also in terms of people just dumping a whole lot of exploration data, as I said, you can do the road to riches. And earn yeah. yourself a billion or more mm-hmm. just by keeping in the bubble. And you can do the same with EDDB because you can just look for ammonia worlds in a certain uh, area and, and go down the list. So that's essentially doing the same thing. Yeah. I know this. This is essentially the issue with um, you know. It's like I'm basically I'm not I'm not exploring. I'm I'm flying. Yeah, I'm I'm not ex- out exploring. I'm I'm just following a list. Yeah, yeah, Miggles has just said though you can also set your route planner to give you systems you haven't visited yet. So, oh, yeah, that's, 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 that's a good thing. That's how do you think? Yeah. Oh right, I f- you know I forgot about that option. So yes, you can know where you've been. Yep. Yeah, that'll be interesting because I've got to track down an Earth-like world somewhere yeah. near Koi three six six three. Right. GT saying it's tourism, not exploration, and I completely yeah. Well. The other, <laughs> the other interesting event is that thirty um, percent are off certain lake on ships at the moment as part of a fire sale to avoid the uh, the company being bought out. Uh, <laughs> this is going to go on until the thirtieth of December. So, if you ever wanted an Ash Scout, now is the time to get one. It's still floating down sale. It's like a closing down sale, isn't it? Like uh, when, uh, I don't know, I think of a car manufacturer is going bust and they just flog all their stock off. Yes, sounds familiar for a couple of businesses at the moment, doesn't it? Uh, not that I'd shop there. You wouldn't buy a lake on ship? No, I was actually referring to real life for a second there, Shannon. It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway. Um, and finally, we've had an update on the Marlinist refugees. Um, the Federation is debating whether or not to actually give them political asylum and make them citizens or send them back to the Empire where they will face um, persecution. I thought that would be a point system. <laughs> <laughs> what was that about getting confused about real life? <laughs> I enjoyed it. Anyway, um, so... Things are, are shaping up at the moment. We'll have to wait and see 
how things progress over the next few days. Um, obviously, um, something will be happening on, I say, the 10th. So we've also had newsletter 307, uh, which has basically gone and um, covered I think, everything that we've, we've already done for the last couple of weeks. Uh, the only interesting different thing that they were on about was the cutter paint jobs. Uh, as, as you bask, Ben, does any of those paint jobs appeal? No. But then okay. again, I have, I have the Lave Radio or the Lavecom paint job, so I don't think it gets any better than that, really. <laughs> uh, I, I wish it would sometimes. I really would wish it would, but it Charts has done such a freaking amazing job. I just, I've not seen a paint job I prefer. It is a very, very good paint job. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, what we're going to do um, is we're going to take a quick break and we'll come back with our main discussion, as suggested by our guest commander. Are you thinking of suing over missile Python protection insurance? Had an accident in an airlock or slipped in a space station cargo bay and thinking of suing for compensation? Well, don't. I tried to take my ship commander to court for making fertiliser out of my crewmates. Legal fees have left me with nothing, and now I'm hungry. All the time. At Watt and Pritney, we take small print very seriously. We have a massive team of lawyers just waiting to block your case and ramp up your legal costs. I wanted a simple, no-win, no-fee arrangement. My case got blown out of the water by Watt and Pritney, and now I have to rent out my arse for hydrogen fuel. At Watt and Pritney, we have a saying. If you don't want a beating, stay out of our court. I was savaged by a wild creature whilst fixing a vending machine. Can't I claim compensation? No, you can't, because we have a massive team of lawyers and you're just someone who works for a living. Watt and Pritney, don't even think about it. 100,000 rescued commanders. Commanders sitting stranded out in the black, about to suffocate in loneliness under the cold light of the stars. Until a red pops in and shoots cans of fuel, liquid of life and warmth. These are the fuel reds, and they're about to hit that incredible number of 100,000 rescues. To prepare for that event, we need your poster. Send your 100,000 rescue poster through the Fuel Res Artist Collective. The lucky winner receives a real-world hotels by Frontier. Second and third get community packs. Submissions close either at the 24th of December or as soon as we hit 100k. The board of art reds will then cast their votes. Read more at contest.fuelredart.org. We are eagerly awaiting your submission. See you on the Black Commander. This is Ovelia Song, Freck Curator for the Fuel Reds Artist Collective, signing off. Hey, buddy, why the long face? Exploring is boring! What? What makes you say so? Because I have to scoop for fuel at every single store! And then the voices I hear in the store tell me to... Whoa! Sounds like you've got a case of space madness! No what you really need is... Really Big Gas Tank! What? With Really Big Gas Tank, you'll be sailing the Milky Way in style and comfort! No more hanging out at every stupid store just to refuel. It's as easy as honk and go. Gotta get to Beagle Point for a romantic interlude? Just honk and go. Wanna be the buckiest ball in the galaxy? Just honk and go. 
And if you fill your really big gas tank with patented Jumbo Neil 5000, you can honk and go, go, go! Gee, thanks, Master! No, thank you. Really big gas tank. Because why wait when you can honk and go? Jumbo Neil 5000 has been known to cause extra arm growth, outdoor mayonnaise, typism, and spontaneous stargold face. He's only a drug. And welcome back. Um, right at this point, we're going to uh, <laughs> we're, we're going to bring in our guest commander, uh, Paul. We'd Hello. like you to take over the main discussion as part of your punishment prize. Your your prize, honest. Yeah. So I, if you sure, I'm, I'm I'm considering it a punishment at this point. So you know. Ah, <laughs> uh, see, <laughs> our work here is always. Yeah, always nice to see everyone thinks so highly of us these days. <laughs> Away you go. Right, so um, uh, back when uh, we got our the fleet carrier release, I uh, buggered off out into the black in my carrier. I thought, I'll go exploring. There's nothing happening in the bubble. Um, and then suddenly Galnet News came back and CG started and the bubble became more interesting. So that dragged me back into into the bubble to sort of get engaged in a narrative um, again. And so I was just, you know, having a thought, you know, we're in this new um, renaissance, if you will, uh, of, of narrative and, and FDev actually putting a storyline back into the game. Um, so I was just thinking, you know, you know, will, will they be able to keep this, Keep you know, keep commanders like myself who've been off in the out in the black, you know, just looking for something to do, engaged, or you know, keep you know existing commanders engaged. And will you know, will emer any emergent gameplay that we come up with, say in Odyssey, um, drive anything that they do? Like, will there be different kinds of CGs? Um, you know, when when Odyssey comes in and using those mechanics, how will those mechanics influence that? Will you know? Or will they just fold everything back in and say, "Well, you just got to kill this many people and uh, hand hand in the vouchers," and it just maybe becomes stale? So, just thinking, you know, wondering uh, what uh, the panel would think of the future of the, of the you know, how we how we drive the narrative, um, considering Odyssey is coming with new gameplay. Okay, that, that sounds that sounds like a a good one. Okay, who'd like to start, Sue? Uh, yeah, okay. Um, I, it's, um, I think, uh, I think there's a couple of, there's a couple of factors. Um, one, I think it's worth recognizing that from my perspective, this is the best that storytelling and elite has ever been. I think, um, I, um, I miss the days of, of Michael Brooks dungeon mastering the game and and paying close attention to what players did and the um and all the puzzles for canon and and um uh, and all that sort of thing and the loo wars and and stuff like that but the the imagination of the uh of the storylines and the rapidity with which they're moving um and the and the in, and how interesting the rewards are and the ramifications as well like um like lake on having a 30% sale for example is and, and and interesting interesting rewards like special modules that you can only get as rewards for CGs. I don't think the game has seen things moving this quickly, um, and it all comes under the broad envelope of, of of narrative. Although there's several different aspects of the game that I mentioned there, um, I don't I, I don't remember seeing the game as this exciting in in six or seven years that I've that I've been in that I've played Elite. Um, so 
so one, I think you're right to question how sustainable it is because it's clearly quite a lot of dev work. And I and I get the impression that really the the hard yards of Odyssey needed to be completed before they could do that. Um, although that's just a guess from a position of ignorance on the outside. Um, the other thing that uh, that is worth mentioning is that they have they have said that they've um, I, I don't have a source for this, but I'm sure I'm sure someone can find one um, that they've got this planned out two years. For, for for the next two years, so it's not like it's not like it's just going to stop when they run out of ideas. They have actually planned branching narratives based on key points of player choice, um, and um, uh, and you know, so so they're going to react to what to what players do and and what 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 players um, you know who players back in given CGs and that kind of thing for for you know long into the future, long after the I imagine Odyssey is planned to. Uh, to play out for. Um, and, th- and then the last thing I just want to say is that fundamentally, I don't think we can get our hopes up too much on what, uh, on, on, in terms of variety of gameplay loops, because fundamentally the, the, what elite is, and I've said this before is th- it's about exploration, selling exploration, you know, scanning things and, and selling exploration data, combat, dogfighting in space and trading. Um, buying low and selling high that, that, that those are the three core loops of playing elite dangerous and odyssey will give us basically a new model of bi, bipedal um srv to play with and new guns but fundamentally i don't think it changes the fact that that is the architecture upon which the game is built so i don't i think i think the narrative thing is great but i i, I think you can be mm. uh, i think you can be i think we can be fairly certain that we'll that will that this will play out and continue at this sort of pace that we've got used to over the last month or two for at least two years. Um, but I wouldn't, I'd be circumspect about expecting really bold new types of gameplay just because the architecture of the game is such that actually, you know, if you're not, if you're not here for trading and dogfighting and exploration, then, then it's kind of the wrong game for you, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Shan, you want to jump in? Uh, yeah. I was putting a bit of thought into that in before the topic was, uh, was came up because I was thinking around the CG and how that could be moved forward um, story-wise and gameplay-wise in Odyssey. And we've been shown um, images of Thargoids. Now, some of them were from Yonks ago, but some of them were quite new. And now we have a CG where we're looking to terraform ammonia-based worlds. So if you wanted a reason to put Thargoids in-game, you could run around and shoot. Well, there's your reason. So you, you can sort of imagine a Hadley's Hope kind of thing in Aliens, you know, that's overrun by Thargoids, and you have that kind of story leading into it. But also, when you were, you were talking about uh, content and going forward, traditionally, Elite has shied away from handcrafted content. It's been very procedural-based content. And in some ways, that's a strength of the game, because where you have handcrafted content, you, what happens is you have content locusts who come in, they consume the content in a matter of hours and then say, oh, there's nothing to do. Whereas if it's procedurally generated, if it's reliant on gameplay loops and players doing stuff, it's it's a lot more sustainable. So I think what we will see is we will see um, not handcrafted missions and stuff like that, but it will be stuff, as I said, like you'll have a base under attack or there'll be a new state and a base Thargoid incursion, whatever it is. And that will then generate the stories. Yeah. One thing I was thinking, you know, people have been saying 
that you know this latest CG is oh, we're poking the bear, we're getting a Thargoid war, and I think you know, couple that with Odyssey, you can have people in space shooting at scouts and uh, Medusas and, and you know all the and all that, and you have people on the ground actually firing at these things, you know, and you have multiple a war on multiple fronts, and it could you know something like that could last more than just a week. It can be you know you know a massive ongoing story for them, like you know, yeah, like a BGS state. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. That I think that'd be brilliant. That'd be really, really fun. I think that's the kind of I think that's the kind of mixed when they talk about mixed. Um, uh, like I think they've been they've talked several times about ships and SRVs and, and and players on foot acting in concert. I think that's the kind of scenario they have in mind where you're where you've got um, conflicts and scenarios playing out at lots of different scales um, and uh, players getting involved in loads of different ways. So do you think we'll have flamethrowers be told to fire guns away in case we shoot the atmospheric processes and things? <laughs> well, now that you've said it, I want it. <laughs> that would be awesome. Nuclear from orbit. Plasma. Plasma accelerated from orbit. The only way to be sure. <laughs> yeah, low orbit iron cannon. <laughs> I mean, do you think they can keep this narrative up at the moment? Because it does feel like it, there's a lot of momentum and I, I think I am scared that this momentum will slow down it depends on how they implement it because one of the one of the and, and again people can take a drink or whatever but Guild Wars 2 try to do something to satiate the content locusts and what they would do is they would bring out a new chapter of the story every two weeks so every two weeks, you would get a new chapter of the story with new art, art assets, new game mechanics, new missions, and whatever. So every two weeks, you'd have that dun 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 all the way through. And, and they kept it up for a good while, to be fair. Like they kept it up for a good six months, but eventually it burnt themselves out. And, and that's why I'm hoping they stay away from handcrafted content, because it almost doesn't matter what the story is, if the studio isn't able to keep up with handcrafted missions and the cadence mm -hmm. without giving the players the ability to fill in the gaps, then I think the whole thing will peter out. We right. did have um, we did have such a thing as CG fatigue. I remember I remember a um, a video that Obsidian Ant made a few years ago, and it's it was called something like CG fatigue or or CG ennui or something. And it was about how, oh, you know, we've had so many CGs. I think players are just getting bored of them. Look at the engagement rates and stuff. I remember looking back at that six months ago, and I was like, oh, my God, what an embarrassment of riches. We didn't know how good we had it. Um, I, think that, I think that's a risk. There might, there, might come a point where, there might come a point where somebody starts, where we start seeing forum posts along the lines of, oh, God, not another combat CG or not, not another trading CG. Um, we'll get them now anyway. Oh, God, idiots. But you, you, you're assuming... The mechanic for doing this will be the community goal. Yeah, I, I, th I think this slightly goes back to what Paul was saying um, in terms of like variety of ways of engaging players and stuff. Uh, and uh, Paul, do you do you would you like to see the narrative play out in ways other than CGs? Because th this is quite a th this has been something that's been a bit yeah, of a talking I, point in the past. I mean, I, I want to say yes because, like, so you can get. CG fatigue, but then you, you think, well, how is the game built? You know, how can they implement things? And the way they've implemented 
the stuff like this is through CGs. Is that the only way they can? I, I don't know. Um, it could. It does seem a very good, you know, a very good device for them to use. Um, what I am, I personally am more engaged in is the story. Um, yeah. And the, the, at the moment, instead of having just one story and it lasts a week, like we used to have, and maybe we'll revisit it in a couple of weeks, in a few months, we're having multiple storylines playing out essentially at the same time. And, you know, each week we're getting a different, you know, we're going back to a different story. And, and you know, it's, you know, we're not concentrating on the same thing all the time. Yeah. I mean, ideally for me, for me and it's probably just impossible for them to just have the staff to do it, is just to have, you know, all the things carrying out of them at the same time. We probably wouldn't even have enough commanders to do all of them at the same time anyway. But, you know, because it's becoming... The way that what we're what we're seeing at the moment is this: this is a real time thing happening within the universe of Elite. You know, things we're doing are make you know are actually making a a difference to the story. Um, I'm, 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 I don't, I don't know if there's any other way they 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 can do it or or should do it. Um, but if if they have the, if there is a there's a way to innovate using what we've got or what um, what we will have with Odyssey, I'd love to see that. Okay, Ben, do you want to jump in? I. One of the things that I'm really appreciating is the fact that they're giving in-game reasons for stock market changes or lake on price changes and things like that. Um, all these balance passes, you know, we're getting. Ex- you know, we know it's we we know it's bullshit. We know it's game mechanics, but I love the fact that they're doing this. Um, it also, uh, I don't know how to say this without sounding kind of harsh, but the fact they're able to throw these in on what is apparently very short notice either means they've gone off and upgraded the tool to, to do this, which is possible, or back when they said writing Galnet articles was hard, kind of stank of eyewash. Shan. Um, yeah, just picking up what Ben was saying, or they could have used the downtime when they didn't have any to make a bank of CGs they could just slot in. So rather than just saying, rather than just doing nothing and whatever for the CGs, they could have like written ahead. And all they're now doing is they have a sequence of CGs that tell this story they've, they've planned out. The other thought that occurred is based on what I think Paul was saying about. Um, how do you get that engagement? And if you think about Operation Ida, mm-hmm. that there wasn't really a CG around Operation Ida, or not that very many. It was all based on BGS and that kind of changes. And that, backed by the Thargoid storyline, encouraged a lot of people to contribute and, uh, and get ahead of it. So if we take the Operation Ida and their response to background changes, mm-hmm. then that could be a way of progressing the narrative without the risk of CG fatigue. Okay. Silverine, back to you. Uh, I think, um, so two things. One, like the, the question, Paul's question of are there, ways, are there other ways to do it that don't involve CGs um, is a really good one. And I think it's probably something that Frontier have been thinking about since the beginning and or at least since the end of the first year. Um, and actually, I, I, I'm pretty sure David Braben's not even a fan of CGs. I think Michael Brooks 
insisted on them. Um, but I'm pretty sure that David Braben didn't didn't want even that amount of player agency in the game. Personally, my feeling on CGs is that given given the fact that we want new content fairly regularly, and given how much effort these things are in a game that needs global localizations and stuff, um, I am I actually think CGs are great and fine, and they allow they allow frontier to move the spotlight onto different bits of gameplay different core gameplay loops uh whenever they want wrap a story around it and allow collector player collective player action that doesn't doesn't um lionize individual players but still um allows players to express their will in the game um through a majority um and i I think that all things considered like yes it's an imperfect system but all things considered it's better than any other option we've got um and I, i think i think cgs are great um, we have seen Frontier experiment with different ones. Interstellar initiatives were different. They, it, it's basically the same mechanism, but it wasn't the same cadence. It was they used the same ways to record player action, but they wrapped it in a different narrative envelope. And um, uh, and actually, I thought the Interstellar, Interstellar initiatives were brilliant. Um, but they they did tell us that that was quite a lot of work. Um, and uh, there are other things they could do. For example. Um, Colin just put live events in the in the chat, which is um, it's just a good point. I mean, we, we saw live events being trialed with um, the Premonition event, which was most people say was a shit show. Um, I, personally, I don't think Elite is built for for live events really, because it for two reasons: one, instancing doesn't work properly for that kind of thing, and um, and two, it, it lionizes individual players too much, and it doesn't it doesn't um, doesn't allow for the kind of anonymity that the Elite Dangerous galaxy is sort of the the, the elite dangerous setting is built on um, and then the, the other point very quickly is um ben said that he thought it was probably bullshit that they said that um everything was uh that, that the writing um for cgs and stuff uh took too much effort, which is why they couldn't do it i think that the the amount of the amount of live the amount of development that the live build has had is probably quite closely co- correlated with where the workload has fallen for Odyssey. So mm-hmm. Frontier said recently that the hard the hard yards of coding for Odyssey really began in late 2019. That to me is incredible, given that they they told us they've been working on it since mid 2018. But but that aside, you know, late 2019 is I think when they basically pulled the plug on narrative in the live game. Um, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure no. that the amount. Well, we had interstellar initiatives for most of 2019. It was late yeah. 2019 when they stopped those. So yeah, it was it was, 20, it was the beginning of 2020 until fleet carriers where we had that drought. Yeah, where exactly. everybody so, was crying out. Yeah, exactly. So you've got you've got interstellar initiatives stopping, and then basically the plug being pulled on the live on narrative in the live game that pretty closely correlated with the hard the hard yards of coding for Odyssey. Um, Odyssey. As the only reason it hasn't already been released is because of COVID. I think it's safe to assume that people will move back to the live game when the hard yards mm-hmm. of Odyssey were done, which is now which is now why we're seeing the sudden influx of writing and, and new game mechanics and interesting new rewards and not necessarily new game mechanics, sorry, but you, you know what I mean, new CGs and new ways of looking at CGs. Um, so I don't I don't think it is bullshit. I think there is a I think there is a, log- a, a reasonable explanation for for why we had the drought and why we no longer do. Yeah, I would say. I mean. How about everybody consider the you know things like the Halloween event? I mean, okay, that was that was a one-off. It's a it's a it's a nice little um, uh, treasure hunt. I mean, those kind of things really got people excited, even though technically they all did it in the wrong order. Yeah, I loved it. I thought Halloween was fantastic. I thought it was really, really brilliant. 
Um, yeah. Great storytelling, really, really chilling. I really like the way that they made use of assets already in the game. They didn't introduce any, they didn't make up any new aliens or any new, any new me- mechanisms. Mm-hmm. They use things like the Thargoid hearts and the, the Thargoid witch space mechanics. They use those to, in, in a really original way to tell, to tell basically quite a, quite a formulaic ghost story that was still really chilling, even though we knew everything about all the elements involved. Oh, that was great. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Ben, I'm just wondering, Sue, if you know, your your assertion about the primary development of Odyssey being done, you know, do you think this could be an indicator, maybe that we might get a beta sooner rather than later? Um, I don't know. I'm not sure about betas. They, they they're, they're being very guarded about the betas were asked in both AMAs, I think, and they've been very guarded about. They're, they're not committing to whether they're going to do one or not. Um, and given the Given how much they're pushing Odyssey as as a way of enticing new players, it wouldn't surprise me that it wouldn't surprise me if they if they thought that a beta was a spoiler too far. I've got no idea. I, w- I wouldn't want to bet on that. I mean, what do guys think uh, uh, about things like the Ramtar missions or the uh, or the Palin mission? And Paul, do you have a have you ever yeah. done those missions? I haven't. I haven't done the Ramtar. Um... That completely passed me by. I think when that became about, I don't think I was playing. Um, and then I came back, and then I'd heard something about it, but I was, doing, you know, catching up and trying to do other stuff. Um, and the paling miss, and I didn't. <laughs> Again, that's another thing that just completely passed me by. Um, but I, I do like. Long yeah, ago. yeah. So, but regardless of what Sue was saying about you know the, the the Halloween thing, I do like things like that. If we could, you know, if they inter, you know, intersperse, you know, couple, a few of those during the year. Obviously, not too many of us because it takes the the effort. It's probably too much for them to to do it all the time. But you know, three or four of them a year, plus yeah. you know the normal event, the the normal uh, in universe um, narrative going on. Yeah, would be good. And- the the one thing that they've always said the one problem that takes the time is getting the voice in the voices in so uh, when they put that kind of stuff in it it does t- add to the development time mostly well, whether or not it's the actor's availability or getting the the messages right it's uh, mm-hmm. yeah it's one of those things I do believe um, that actually forget what I was going to say on that one um, do do just go on to the final point is um, how do you think Odyssey will help with the narrative? Well, Paul, we'll have your thought on that one before going around everybody. Yeah, so so going back to what I was sort of saying about, you know, if we have a, a Thargoid war, would, would we fight it on, you know, multiple fronts? So could, you know, the narrative be driven by both space and um, ground combat? Um, I did see something, I think Kaizen posted something, you know, um, there was something about the, the Federation and uh, Empire when they were you know, building their yep. new ships, um, and it mentioned something about ground, you know, ground support. And like, okay, uh, is is that something we're planning? You know, are we gonna if there's that? You know, now the Empire and, and Federation war. If that comes first, are we gonna have um, ground? You know, ground. Uh, yeah, ground mission. The word. Yeah. Well, not 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 mission, but you know, just like. C- CG's involved. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> um, you know, and having that be part of it, and you know, the results of of that plus 
uh, what else happens in space, you know, because obviously not everyone's going to be having Odyssey, mm-hmm. but then not everyone wants just to see, you know, anyone with Odyssey <laughs> wants something to happen in Odyssey. So I would like to see a, no. a mix of, you know, if it fails on the ground, it's sort of less likely to succeed, even if they, mm-hmm. if, if even if it goes, even if, you know, it doesn't fail, you know, in, in space. Oh, I really, right. yeah, I, I think that's a great yeah. idea. Sep- separate buckets yeah. of progress in separate spheres of combat. Yeah, yeah, that, I think that's that's a fantastic idea. Actually, you know, sort of, you've made life a lot more difficult for the for the spaces because you didn't complete your ground mission properly, and vice versa. That's how uh, that's how Warframe works. Interestingly, you can you can have a space battle going on about to to fulfil an objective, which makes the fire team on the grounds mission easier. I can totally see that happening. That would be fantastic. So, like for example, the the team that are infiltrating the mothership need to take it out so that they can destabilize the leadership of the of the Thargoid swarm that are on the ground assaulting the base and the the people in SRVs and on foot with with rifles and whatever at the base will then have to fight off the swarm or whatever. Oh, that'd be so good. So so good. Yeah. You know it would be quite cool actually. I know it would be completely against the uh, yeah it would be a completely new game basically but one of the great things about some MMOs is mass PvP with three factions. So, what if, what if you had the ability to play as a Thargoid on in this war that's going on, this conflict? So you could actually have because you know in some games you get to play the uh, the zombie or the monster or something, don't you? Yeah, and, and that'd be completely different, and it'd be very radical to have that mass PvP. On a, on, a, on a game where you control points and yeah, it'd be really cool. I used to love that sort of thing in Guild Wars 2 with their worldly, worldly world where you had a whole load of players competing for different objectives to capture somewhere. Really I'm cool. sure they had that kind of stuff in the Old Republic as well. Uh, they did. I think it, well, it was Ilum, wasn't there? Was the, was the, was the unofficial No, I'm, I'm sure there was certain game modes where they, they had this, but. Yeah, um. <laughs> I, you're right. But I can't remember what it was, but that kind of that kind of three way mass PvP, where you have different objectives, so you need ships to, I don't know, take out the orbital cannon or whatever it is they use. But yeah, that would be really really cool. It's it, it's the first time that we'll have the, the, given that SRV doesn't really work with multi crew and sorry with um yeah with multi crew, um it, I think that there will probably be some. Some jiggery pokery behind the scenes in in terms of coding to make uh, to 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 make the uh, combined arms thing work. Mm-hmm. But given that Frontier keep talking about combined arms, it really wouldn't surprise me if this became if, if this became a bit of a new focus in terms of concerted player action, like having having goals to fulfill have, having having goals to to fulfill certain objectives that require people to do different things in different spheres because until now the game has basically just been about people in spaceships with occasional <laughs> forays into you know the cgs are never about what have you done in your srv this week they're always about what have you been doing in your space spaceship this week at your well, SRV you, well you've got three theirs. factions haven't you because it doesn't work with just two factions because like our lion's horde doesn't tend to work so well because you know one would just go well but three factions 
Empire Federation Alliance, maybe. Yeah, from, yeah, exactly. Yeah. In, in terms of the setting, you've already got your you've got your three factions, like like you do in uh, like you do in Elder Scrolls Online. But I mean, I mean more mechanically, the way that the way that you could organize CGs and narrative turning points in the future. As Paul was saying, you, 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 it would be really cool if they weren't just filling buckets in ships. If they were filling lots of different buckets according to what your role was that week, whether you were whether you were fighting in a conflict zone on foot or whether you were fighting in defending a base in an SRV or assaulting a base in an SRV. Like I guess my point is that until now, the game has been very much about what have you done in your spaceship and the SRV has been ancillary to that. Well, that's- With Odyssey, there is the there is the chance for for have having three separate spheres of activity, ships, ground vehicles, and on foot, and for those to be three different ways that you could structure CGs. Paul, does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, because it, it, I was struggling to really, actually really come up with a, a way in my own head how I would envision it working. Um, so it's great to see, you know, have those the answers, you know, and it's sort of, you know, your answers inspired me to think, oh, actually, yeah, we could do it as, you know, sort of a pseudo BGS state. And oh, yeah, yeah, that would work. Yeah. So, that, yeah, I am really, well, if, if it happens, I'm going to claim copyright now. Um, <laughs> um, I'll, I'll tell FDEV where to send the checks. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, if, if, if they can, in, if, if it innovated in that direction, I would be absolutely yeah, excellent over the moon. If it innovated at all beyond the, uh, the uh, as Sue puts it, you know, filling the buckets, uh, then yeah, that, that that's where I, I see it needs to head before we hit um, uh, yeah. the boredom again. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> There's one thing that that's just one one final point. Can any? I do remember at least a couple of times that there used to be CGs on planets for Horizon players, but too many people complained Did about that? it. Did that? I don't remember. Is, 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 is this something in my mind that I just made uh, that I'm pretending to remember, or has the CGs always been in space? I don't remember a single CG ever being about what you've done. Oh, well, no, delivered delivered to a base on a planet, for instance. There's never oh, been one of those. Wasn't the one about uh, occupied escape pods or something? You had to collect them from the planet's surface, or am I just? Completely misremembering a normal mission. Oh yeah, that, that 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 might have been a thing. Yeah, that could have been a thing. They they are rare though. You make a really good point. They are very very rare that a CG like re, you know relies on having access to planets. And I hadn't really thought about the horizons thing. I mean, one one good piece of good news is that now that everybody's got horizons, there's absolutely no reason that we can't have loads of CGs that involve planets and planetary ports. I could at least yeah deliver. 10 tons of bio waste, or 10,000 or 10 million tons of bio waste to Lave 2 or something like that instead. Yeah. Well, or, or even better, <laughs> take away 10,000 tons of radioactive waste from Slough. Mm-hmm. No, we don't want to do that. Well, if, if, you, if you remember the, the war in Lou, you know, one of the first ones where I think it was the winner took control of station, didn't it? That was part of it. And part of the story was the winner then invaded the station, took it over. You could do a similar mechanic by the BGS <laughs> where actually coming in and killing everyone in the station. I would love and almost like almost like a capture the flag kind of invasion thing. Right. And anyway, we get yeah. yeah, we're gonna we're gonna cut it off here because basically <laughs> we are running out of time. Um so 
Uh, thanks to Paul for uh, for that discussion, because basically, let's be honest, um, it's nice to have a, a fresh perspective on this because we were kind of getting a bit <laughs> stale. Anyway, the community corner. I wasn't. I scoured. <laughs> I do think it's really nice to have. I do think it's really nice to have a fresh voice who, who come who who says, "How would we like this to be? Let's speculate excitedly rather than let's moan about stuff or let's let's discuss things as as a load of LEP holders." Like it it, it is it it is really nice to have conversations where you just talk about how exciting something could be or the exciting things that Frontier could do. Uh, and I don't, and we don't always come up with those topics ourselves. So thank you very much, Paul. Yeah, you're welcome. Right. Well, uh, we'll just touch on the things that have been happening in the community. Um, first of all, we have. Oh, right. I guess this is the new drinking one for me, isn't it? We have the dark wheel. <laughs> shot. Yep. Shot everybody. <laughs> right. The dark wheel initiative update. Um, they have expanded again and immediately went into pending expansion yet again. So as per usual, the Dark Wheel Initiative is um, is spreading its hydra-like tentacles all over the galaxy. So uh, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm going to get done for that one. <laughs> um, the Sagittarius Eye magazine is returning for Odyssey. They have no specific release date yet, but uh, watch out for the social channels, and it will be a full relaunch. Uh, of course, the Sagittarius I podcast came out um, last week, and uh, is well worth a listen. Also, Ghost Giraffe um, did a fantastic stream, which covered the colliding of two gas giants, and watched them bump. <laughs> um, according to David Braben, who uh, mentioned this on Twitter, these things like this, things like this, are supposed to happen in real life as well. But not only with gas giants, but with stars and asteroids, everything can bump if you like. I, I wouldn't say that asteroids are going to merge with and then pass through on on Earth. No, whereas stars and gas giants apparently can. can. Yeah. Galaxies can, though. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, close, close binaries are when the orbits are very, very tight, so they're perpetually touching each other. I, I, I'm pretty sure I, I saw that tweet from David Braben, and I don't, I, I'm not sure, it, I'm not sure he he got what was going on necessarily because, yeah, I mean, I, I, he's the expert and I'm not, but my my understanding is that close binaries are not two big orbits that intersect once every six years or whatever it might be. They are two very, very tight orbits where the two objects are constantly touching I think each other. That's a, yeah, that's a contact binary, I think, too. Whereas this is, I don't know, almost like a temporary contact binary or something? Yeah, exactly. I mean, in in, in interstellar term, in, in astronomy terms, this would just be yeah. an impact, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, unfortunately, it's not going to work that well when the Andromeda galaxy smashes us into us in about 5 billion years. <laughs> yeah, well, Kai, Kai says 30 billion. Our, uh, our, our, our behind-the-scenes producer, Kai, says we will smash into, <laughs> into Andromeda galaxy in, in as soon as 30 billion years. Well, <laughs> when, when okay, we're going to have to Google that one to find out who's closest. And you might win <laughs> so a competition. Is Kai, <laughs> so is Kai, is, is Kai Statler or Waldorf from the Muppets? I haven't worked out that yet. <laughs> well, I certainly feel like Fozzy Bear most of the time when those are on. <laughs> right? Can I briefly? Can I briefly bang the sag eye drum? Go on, a bit harder. Uh, I, I, oh, 
Don't what? sue and then I'll come in. Have you, do, you, do you need to relieve yourself then? No, I was going to say Colin's right, Kai's wrong. The Andromeda <laughs> Galaxy, the Andromeda Milky Way collision will happen in about between four and five billion years. Hmm. Okay. Uh, uh, right, yes. Um, listeners, you may have missed it because of um, Colin's dulcet delivery there. But uh, Sagittarius I, the PDF glossy magazine is returning. Um, hopefully, at least a few of you give a shit. Um, it is. Um, <laughs> We have been on pause for a few months while uh, Frontier unplugged Elite Dangerous. Um, and now that it is very thoroughly plugged in, we are very, very excited as a team and, um, and as a bunch of creatives and writers and designers. We are enthusiastic about Elite Dangerous in a way that, that, um, that I haven't seen for years. Um, we are really, really excited to get playing Odyssey, really excited to make more content for, for Elite. Um, and... Uh, and we uh, are already planning um, what we're going to do. The so Sagittarius I the PDF will be returning completely for free for download for everyone uh, as it always has um, with the release of Odyssey. We don't have a hard and fast date for it just yet, um, but it will be. Uh, but it will be with the new update, and um, and we're talking uh, to Frontier about how to how to make sure it's relevant and interesting for the for the launch. Um, so if you if you haven't if you're new to the game and you haven't come across Sagittarius I, hop to um, www.sagittarius-i.com um, to find all of our podcasts and videos and glossy magazines covering the wonderful universe of Elite Dangerous. Um, and if you are um, familiar with us already, if you're a, uh, an existing reader, then uh, then hopefully you'll be as excited as I am to uh, to see the PDF return. So watch this space. Excellent. Uh, we will also include the link to Ghost Giraffe's stream uh, in the show notes, so that will be uh, of uh, people's interest. Now, obviously, Operation IDA or Operation IDA, they have their third annual. Um, holiday. Uh, so basically, um, on Saturday the 12th, 4pm, somewhere near Bakewell Enterprise, um, you have to race as fast as you can on the uh, under the ever-lowering limbo bar made of belugas. Uh, event meetup po- point will be at the Bakewell Enterprise planet Marcini, and <laughs> the planet you're landing on is a 2.59G1 so get practicing with your high gravity practice flying this week. Belugas <laughs> landing in Belugas in two point five nine G. Is it is it just landing on high G worlds or is it limbo under ships on high high G world? It's kind of both. You got. I've, I've done I've I've done limbo where you fly down a mountain in a viper and you have to aim underneath anacondas which gradually lower every turn <laughs> and it, it's it's so good it's so phenomenally brilliant so if, it, if it's that on a high g planet then wow you've got to be there okay so if you want to quickly touch on the thread on crime and punishment yes please so uh last week uh the uh ubiquitous commander kaizen posted a fascinating and well thought out and beautifully edited i couldn't help noticing on the frontier forums covering uh some proposals for uh some changes to crime and punishment in uh in elite dangerous and more broadly pvp and uh sy- system security states um it has generated quite a lot of uh discussion um Pages and pages and pages. Some really, really good, thoughtful feedback. 
Um, but the but the reason I, I wanted to, to highlight it particularly just now is that um, today Bruce Garrido in the uh, in the thread uh, in, in the thread concerning um, concerning the uh, the most recent balance changes um, answered a question. Uh, Commander Shields offline said, "Will we see any PVP balance changes in 2021?" And Bruce Garrido replied with, "Hopefully." I found this post very interesting, and then he linked to Kaizen's crime and punishment thread. Um, so, you know, I don't want to read too much into anything, but that to me says that uh, that he at least will be will be bearing it in mind when when uh, PvP balance and crime and punishment in general comes up in in uh, in design design discussions at Frontier Towers. Um, so potentially super interesting for next year um, for those people who care about things like high security, feeling like high security and PVP being meaningful and all that sort of thing. Excellent. Now, we'd like to thank everybody in New Zealand for making us the number one video podcast in that country. And Turkish. And too, we did some figures. Yeah, these are Sagittarius I figures. They're not live figures, which I don't have access to. But um, yeah, we've got some... Uh, I've recently been receiving emails from... Um, from various aggregator tracker services on um, who have been scouring podcasts for people to email, presumably, um, and uh, they tell you what the um, they tell you what your your rankings are in different places according to different um, different uh, sort of podcast services, uh, and, I, and I've got one. One from Pod Status today saying that we are position number two in the video game ca- category in both Lebanon and Turkey. So if you are either of our listeners in Lebanon and Turkey, <laughs> thank you very much and fly dangerous. Um, we're position four in the category of video games in Ireland, and we're actually position five in the category of leisure in both Lebanon and Turkey as well. So cl- clearly, Lebanon and, and Turkey are our our key market. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I was just thinking about how you know we are the number one uh, in New Zealand, and it just shows the taste that New Zealanders have. Because in the UK, we had Theresa May, and in New Zealand, they've got Jacinda. So, what more proof do you need? You, you seem to have it in for Jacinda slightly. What, what what are your feelings on Jacinda? Without without meaning to get into the weeds too much, are you generally pro Jacinda? I've got no idea what you stand for other than that other than the spitting image song <laughs> I don't really... it's not clear whether whether you make that comment as if it's a good thing or a bad thing but um oh she got voted in again so that either that either um goes for the uh like a bot quality she got an absolute stonking majority didn't she yeah but then so did boris so <laughs> read into that what you like that is a good point <laughs> right I, th- I think that we're going to call call that a day. So I'm going to finish off with our shout-outs. Uh, so first of all, our sister station, Hutton Orbital Radio, it broadcasts on a Thursday at uh, 8.30. Uh, you can tune in at twitch.tv slash Hutton Orbital Druckers, or just go to the audio at radio.forthemug.com. Um, for the discerning commander that likes a bit of CQC action, you can check out the CQC Discord at discord.me slash CQC. Um, for those of you who'd like a literary discussion about sci-fi and fantasy books, please subscribe to the Data Slate podcast created by Station Commander Alan Stroud. Um, I don't know whether episode 21's been uh, released just yet, but um, we do know he was um, Alan was working on it last. Uh, and 
Following this, we have the usual Galactic News Digest, as provided by Commander Witherspoon and friends these days. Um, also, you might be interested to know that the Galactic News Digest YouTube channel does these mini-updates whenever the Galnet actually does. So he does his little uh, twist on <laughs> the latest news events, which are always good. Um, so thanks to all those who have chipped in on the Twitch chat and to uh, any in-game commanders that have buzzed Ben as he's flown about. So that's it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email info at laveradio.com Dot com. Hit us up at facebook.com slash laveradio. Tweet us at laveradio. You can join our Discord server by going to discord.io slash laveradio. Uh, we can have a TeamSpeak server where commanders come to hang out and chat, and you can find at teamspeak.laveradio.com. Do get in touch if you have any questions or if there's anything you'd like us to discuss in a future episode. Lave Radio is recorded live on a Tuesday evening at half past eight and streamed out at laveradio.com slash live. So thanks to um, Ben, thanks to Souverine, and thanks to uh, Shan, and special thanks to Paul. I hope you've enjoyed putting up with this. <laughs> it's been a blast, mate. <laughs> really has. Do you think you've won something? Or do you, or... <laughs> no, I genuinely think I've won something. <laughs> Yay! You've enjoyed it. This is good. And of course, special thanks to our tech specialist, that's the Chris Mark Four. <laughs> so until next time, commanders, fly safe. And if you can't do that, fly dangerous. Is your life like this? I'm gonna see the galaxy. seconds and I'll be right back. Galnet News Digest, 8th of December 3306. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news roundup, the reverse Haber process brings riches to explorers. Capital ships deploy following building frenzy. When one end goes down, 
The other end comes up. Rubarbina and Custardette. The Lake on Bargain Bucket. The reverse harbour process brings riches to explorers. The work to map ammonia worlds for serious atmospherics remains ongoing, with an amazing 200,000 worlds fully mapped. The agents at Betancourt Base don't seem to be particularly alert, as they're allowing commanders to hand in mapping data for ammonia worlds that have already been mapped hundreds of times before by other commanders, resulting in a crocodile of exploration-by-guidebook tourist commanders touring round a well-trodden route, mapping a series of already mapped planets and probably taking selfies as they go. Universal Cartographics is also paying out handsomely for all cartographic data, not just Ammonia Worlds, although it's only Ammonia Worlds that count towards the success of the initiative. Well over half the target has been met already, which means that the station will continue to pay out well over the odds for exploration data for another two weeks. The intention is to terraform Ammonia Worlds using newly developed technology. If this can be done, the Colsac Nebula could become a lot more welcoming in coming years. Capital ships deploy following building frenzy. Both the Federation and Empire have deployed their new capital ships, which were built during the very brief arms race a couple of weeks ago. Amongst other systems, the Federation has deployed its new warships in LFT-367, which is managed by the extremely loyal Earth Defence with an S, fleet, and Wolf 25, which is run on an independent system by the Hutton Orbital Truckers. The Empire has deployed its ships to four systems, including Theta Indy, which is run by the Praetorian Curiat Assembly, and Zelano, which is home to the GOM, Galactic Omniary of Merchants Collective. It is unclear why the Federation and Empire should feel the need to keep a particularly close eye on these factions. The newly deployed battlecruisers do not appear to be particularly belligerent, allowing curious commanders to examine them from extremely close quarters. The war has not yet started, despite rising concerns over the Marlinist refugee crisis. When one end goes down, the other end comes up. The Pilots' Federation has been fiddling again, this time with payouts for combat bonds and for killing Thargoids. Combat bonds now pay out five times more than they did last week. A combat bond that shows up as 80,000 credits in the HUD will actually earn a cool 400,000 credits. Curiously, some of the bounties may show up as issued by the Pilots' Federation, although the Pilots' Federation hasn't explained this. Anti-Xeno combat has been changed in a couple of ways, with combat bonds paying out four times more than they did, but the Pilots' Federation has also adjusted its rank promotions, such that interceptors will no longer contribute as much to rank progression, and the harder Thargoid opponents will give a bigger boost to your rank than the easy ones. Finally, the Pilots' Federation has asked that mission givers should factor the distance travelled and the quantity of a commodity into the rewards they offer for source and return missions. The increase in the market price of many mined commodities has had a large and largely unforeseen effect on the rewards for such missions, allowing commanders to become very wealthy very quickly with minimum effort. And we wouldn't want that.
would we? Rubarbina and Custardette. If you missed the collision of rhubarb and custard on Sunday, there's some good news. The rather spectacular landable moons of landable planet Sinuefewh-FCO1 will be experiencing a close encounter on Sunday the 13th, starting at about 3.30pm and reaching maximum collision at about 5pm. The lovely thing about these planets is that you can land on one of the planets, get into your SRV and watch a rolling wall of rock bearing down upon you as you try vainly to escape. If you thought rhubarb and custard was impressive, these two chunks of rock, rhubarbina and custardette, each with a diameter of around 500 kilometres, may impress you even more. Note that there is some doubt about just how close these moons will come on Sunday. The very worst case is that they will pass each other at around 300 kilometre distance. The best case is that one will completely swallow the other moon up. Whatever happens, it should be a breathtaking event. The Lacon Bargain Bucket Commanders are reminded there's just one more week to get deep discounts on ship modules at Schweikart City in Perutis. And if you want one of the less fashionable Lacon ships, you have until the 30th of December to snap up a bargain. And before wondering what on earth you're going to do with such a useless item. With the end of 3306 fast approaching, and with exciting information about permits to land on planets with thin atmospheres and to get out and walk about, including the fee, of course, just around the corner, commanders are advised to keep a close eye on the news. If commanders would care to like and subscribe to the Galnet News Digest channel, we can guarantee that we'll be almost the last with all the latest news. If you're watching this on the podcast, you can ignore this bit. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News. We read the news so you don't have to.